Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Greeny's got the day off, Bob Oshusen, sitting in for Greeny. And you can be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. College football's back, so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. I'm going to get as many telephone calls in as I possibly can today. I love October. I love coming in and doing even just a one-off talk show in the month of October. We are dead in the middle now at the quarter pole of the NFL season. We got playoff baseball. Last night's game was every bit the drama that you would hope for in a 1-1 game late. Base runners on left and right. Edge of your seat tension. I absolutely loved watching every pitch that game last night. And we'll obviously uh, got some football guests coming up as well. Jeff Darlington's going to join us a little bit later on. We'll talk to Jess Mendoza coming up in the next hour as now the divisional matchups are set in Major League Baseball. And obviously, I got a lot of thoughts also being the Jet Radio play-by-play guy about the rookie quarterbacks. But it's time for the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. We're going to get to the football coming up after the first time out because Jeff Darlington's going to join us. So I want to start with baseball and really the biggest topic here in New York, and that is the New York Yankees and what they are going to do now moving forward with their manager, with their general manager, and I think most importantly with their roster. And what I come back to in moments like this, this is just my overall wide-angle lens on the Yankees. Look, what's the, you know, that, that old saying that, you know, the, the, the dumbest move you can make is thinking that history is not going to repeat itself, right? Like you are cursed if you think history is not going to repeat itself. And I've been saying this for three or four years. I'm just a chubby, balding, old play-by-play guy. I am not in an analytics department. I just watch the games and watch with my eyes. I watched the Yankees of the late 90s, early 2000s. I watched how they played. I watched what made them a dynasty. I watched the kinds of players they had that made them great. I watched them go gap to gap, take the extra base, put the ball in play, high on base percentage. And when they ran into a home run, they ran into a home run. And that was fine too. But a team that won, what, 114 games 20 years ago didn't have a guy that hit 30 home runs. So the idea that you have to be, you know, just a team that mashes the ball out of the ballpark because the analytics department says it's so, I've been thinking for three or four years, why is that the obsession with this organization? And I'm not saying analytics are bad. Analytics are obviously not bad, because the teams that are all in the postseason and the ones that are favored to go the deepest use analytics. They just seem to use it in a different way, because this Yankee team looks so much different than these other teams that seem to use analytics so successfully. I'm wondering, and I've been wondering this again for three or four years, why there aren't more DJ LeMayhews on this team and less, you know, swing for the fences, home run hitters, all or nothing, strike out or hit a two-run home run type players. Because it seems like the teams that right now are the favorites to win again are the teams that have more of those kind of guys and less the station-to-station, one base at a time, swing for the fences, exit velocity obsessed players that the Yankees have. Right? So... I mean, if you keep trying to repeat history, you're doomed to repeat it. And to me, what I'm amazed by with the Yankees is that at some point in this last three or four year stretch, even in the seasons where they were 100 game winning teams, and then would see their big home run hitting all or nothing bats go quiet in the postseason, they didn't say the same things to themselves. So where do you go from here? And I, again, It's all now about the manager and all about the general manager, right? 
But it's all about whether or not they're going to bring back the manager, who is now a lame duck. He coached out the final year of his contract. The general manager's got one more year left on his deal. I am going to probably go way against the grain of what every talk show caller in New York that's riled up by the Yankees is going to scream and yell about. And I always go back to a Jeff Van Gundy quote when I get to... I remember talking to Jeff Van Gundy, and this is probably, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. I think it was like the Mets were getting rid of Bobby Valentine at the time or something. And it was, you know, I mean, this God, that might be 20 years ago now. And I remember a quote that he applied to, and it was all sports, not just basketball, all sports, when the front office has to decide, especially on the coach or the manager, where the future of their organization is going. And he said, so often in sports, you fire a manager or fire a coach to give the fan base and the media the illusion of change. Because real change, what you really have to do, is a lot harder. So that's kind of the low-hanging fruit red meat that you can throw to the masses. right? You're going to throw them a manager, you're going to throw the coach under the bus, because that has to be the problem. When what is the real problem with the Yankees? And this is where we come to Brian Cashman. This is where we come to whether or not he should come back. They have to fix the team. The team is flawed. I don't care what their analytics department tells us about exit velocities and sitting there, you know, waiting for the two or three run home run. This is not, to me, the way that you build a sustainable winning baseball team. Just having one marauder after another in the middle of your lineup, it's not, and it's not working. How big of a sample size do we need to realize it's not working? They have to realize now it's not working. So now, what does Brian Cashman do? And that brings us to his job security. And I have always been a huge Brian Cashman fan. He has never presided over a losing team in 25 years as the Yankee general manager, going all the way back to his days as the assistant GM. He has never been part of, I think, a below 500 season ever in the front office of the Yankees. And he has enough rings on his fingers, even if it's been a while since he won one, that I think he deserves the chance to say with the owner, here's where we think we've gone wrong. I think I know how to fix it, and I give him a chance to fix it. So again, this is me kind of swimming upstream against what probably 90% of the calls are going to be to sports radio in New York about the manager and the general manager. I don't fire Aaron Boone. I bring him back because the players like him. I think they respond to him. I think you heard Aaron Judge, after they were eliminated by the Red Sox, say that. And I think he was very sincere in what he said about his support and belief that Aaron Boone is the guy that works his butt off, is there for these guys. They respond to him. There's chemistry. I have no problem with Aaron Boone coming back as the manager. And I'm also not firing Brian Cashman. I think Brian Cashman now is not only, I think, realizing, hopefully, that there is a a way and a need to fix this team, but I think he will also be a guy that can do it. So I'm not firing anybody. I'm just taking a good, hard, organizational look in the mirror if I'm those guys, looking at each other across the table going, we need to fix this. And all right, how do you fix it? Judge showed you this year when he stays healthy that he is absolutely worthy of being a two-hole, three-hole, MVP-level, build-around-him franchise player. So I am extending him. I'm giving him – I'm talking right now to him about the long-term future he has with this team. I'm building the team around him. Stanton's not going anywhere, right? I mean, obviously, Giancarlo Stanton with that contract – I think he and Judge are going to be hitting right next to each other in this lineup for years to come. What guys do you now have to, I think, bite the bullet and get off the team? You need to add a shortstop, 
and put Glaber Torres back where he belongs, and you need to get Gary Sanchez and Joey Gallo off this team. The Gallo experiment didn't work. It's not going to work. He is a true all-or-nothing swing for the fences, nothing but home runs or strikeouts kind of a hitter. They need less of that, not more of that. He's got to go. And at this point, I for the longest time have said that I think that Gary Sanchez, you know, you get so seduced by the talent and you can't possibly convince yourself it's not there because you've seen it. You saw when he first came up what, he, what you thought he could be. But now, again, there's been enough of a sample size since then that I think we realize what he is. So you have to get more guys out of the lineup that aren't high on base percentage guys, you know, guys that can take the extra base, defensive-oriented players, speed, athleticism. Those guys have to go. And granted, you are going to have, because a good team has this, you're going to have some middle-of-the-lineup sluggers. You're going to have Stanton, right? You're going to have Rizzo. You're going to have Judge. But there needs to be, outside, I think, of those three, much more of a commitment to athleticism and on base percentage, batting average, balls in play. Don't worry about exit. You know, I watched the Yankee team win a lot of World Series, and I never heard the words exit velocity, right? What was, what was the exit velocity on a, on a Bernie Williams gap to the opposite field double? Who cares? I don't care. Because you know what? When he did that, I watched guys running around the bases scoring runs in front of him. And they won World Series with that. That needs to be, I think, moving forward. And, and look at the teams right now that I think are using analytics, but that the Yankees can model themselves on, you know, next to. Look at the San Francisco Giants. Right? See, we don't even know the, who, the names of these players on the East Coast. And yet they are hitting doubles, hitting triples, taking extra bases. Yes, they're hitting home runs, but they don't have a 50 home run hitter on their team. When they run into a home run, they run into a home run. They're not going up there trying to swing for the fences. So, to me, that's the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. I'm not firing anybody. I'm keeping Cashman and letting him fix it. I'm keeping Boone and I'm blaming it on him. But I'm fixing the team. I'm doing what Jeff Van Gundy, I think, is 1,000% right when he says. I'm not falling for the low-hanging fruit red meat to throw to the fans and fire the manager. I'm not doing that. I'm doing what's hard. Right? I'm not going for the illusion of change. I'm going to make a commitment for real change. And real change means you fix the team. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. We're going to talk to ESPN NFL insider Jeff Darlington coming up. We're going to do some football, and I will get your telephone calls in because we'll have football and baseball both on the table by the time we're able to get to the telephones. We'll talk to Jeff Darlington when we come right back. It's Bob Shoes and Infogrini on ESPN Radio, ESPN+. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. 
Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. I don't know what changed in the last 48 hours to make Matt Nagy come to the determination that Justin Fields is now going to be the starter. I don't know if it's better for Matt Nagy for this thing to blow up or if you think it's better for him for Justin Fields to be good. It was inevitable. It's always inevitable. The rookie quarterbacks play. No matter what lies the coaches tell you about why they're keeping them on the bench, at some point, if you draft a guy at the top of the draft, he's going to play. And ESPN NFL insider Jeff Darlington joins me now on the Goodyear hotline, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear, more driven. Bob Wischusen in for Greeny. And Jeff, you, I, every time I see you on television with that tanned face, with palm trees swaying in the background. It always looks so peaceful. I wish people could see that on radio right now, but if they were to see you on ESPN Plus right now, what would your shocked face look like? Would there be, was there a shocked face when you heard Matt Nagy come out and say that Justin Fields is now the starting quarterback moving forward? Of course Justin Fields no. is starting quarterback moving forward. Yes. Correct. You would have seen me staring straight into a wall uh, in a state of hypnosis because there was nothing that felt remotely surprising about that. In fact, Justin Fields became the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears the second Andy Dalton left the field with a knee injury. That was it. It was over. Uh, I respect that Nagy. I mean, I understand. I I understand why Nagy was doing what he did. He he had a built-in excuse if Say Andy Dalton, or say Fields struggled uh, like he did in his first start again the second week, and Dalton was healthy. Nagy could say, "Look, you know, I told you all along that we were still developing Justin. That that Andy was going to get the job back when he was healthy, and uh, and it was a nice built-in excuse to protect Fields' development. But ultimately, Fields, you know, was a had a nice bounce-back game and." And it's time for him to just grow moving forward. So, no, not surprised at all. Were you on the Dan Orlovsky page? And I talked to Dan. I work with him every week, obviously, doing college football. And I do a podcast with he and Scott Pioli. So we went back and forth over this on the air, off the air. Were you of the mindset that Matt Nagy was really kind of doing uh, Justin Fields dirty with the the way that they were running their offense? Um, I mean, there was almost Um, this weird Machiavellian theory that he was sabotaging Justin Fields because he never wanted him as the quarterback. I mean, what about that whole dynamic of Matt Nagy and his relationship with the quarterback even when he was calling plays? Yeah, I didn't subscribe to that same theory in terms of um, believing that by all means, no, no, I definitely didn't think that he was sabotaging. Like the one thing I don't understand is 
why people can't wrap their heads around the fact that nobody on the planet has more invested in the success of Justin Fields than Matt Nagy. His entire livelihood is at stake. Uh, depending on whether he can make Justin Fields work. So, so no, absolutely not do I think that he was trying to sabotage him. Or, uh, did he put him in a, a great situation? It uh, didn't feel like it. I mean, he's getting sacked all the time, but I also think that we can't just make conclusions just as we did in the preseason about Justin Fields when he had one great game you know, and was the second coming of Patrick Mahomes that we should do the same thing when he has one bad game in his first NFL start. I just I think that these things are such a work in progress, and we we got to be careful of reacting too much one way or the other when it comes to them. Here's another quarterback note. This was first reported by the NFL Network. Apparently a source has confirmed it to ESPN Today as well. Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield has been playing with a partially torn labrum in his left shoulder. So you wonder how that now yeah. impacts – I mean, you know, you tell me, Jeff, from your knowledge of this situation and also now if Kevin Stefanski – does that alter the way that you are running your offense, maybe leaning even more on the Hunt-Chubb run game to try and protect your quarterback going forward? Well, keep in mind that this, this is not – I mean, so it, it's obviously major news that it's, it's uh, the, the labrum, but we should keep in mind that he, he did seemingly dislocate the shoulder in week two and popped it back into place. Um, he has since said that, that is not impacting. It didn't impact his struggles this past week. Now that could be just Baker being a tough guy, which I certainly respect. Um, the team itself has said that, Hey, we're not putting it on that. Um, so he did wear a harness, I think in week three to support that left shoulder, keeping in mind that he is a right-handed quarterback and not diminishing the pain he's probably in. But I think that, uh, I think that we should expect him to continue to try to play uh, exactly the way that he knows how, and, uh, you know, does that mean he's going to struggle? I certainly think that we should give him a little leniency in the wake of this last game that seemed pretty unorthodox and how, just how bad he did play. Yeah, it, it, certainly a situation that is worth keeping your eyes on. Um, all right, no I want to go kind of sure. here in the, in the Jeff Darlington time machine. I want to put you forward either towards the end of this season, even towards next season, but some big-picture decisions that some organizations have to make. And I will yeah. start with the Jacksonville Jaguars – is Urban Meyer the head coach of this team through the entirety of this season? Oh, um, yes. Okay. I Is th- he the head coach he of this will... team next year? That's a great question. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I just, I, look, when it comes to the transgressions of this past weekend, in a vacuum, I think he can get away with it. Um, you know, the bigger problem in the locker room, honestly, that I've sensed is the fact that he stayed behind and didn't get on the team plane. Uh, the question is, would we have ever really known that when behind the scenes certainly they would have uh, if that video didn't come out, that Urban did not get – I mean, I've never heard of a head coach doing that, like not getting on the plane to go home with his team and then saying we all needed a deep breath. It's only been four weeks. Like, what, what is that? I mean, that, that's, that seems very strange to me. That said – the, the problem here is that, say he loses a few players, say most of the players still support him in the wake of this, but he loses a few players where they're like, man, I just can't get behind this guy anymore. This offseason when he signed Tim Tebow, there was assistant coaches that were like, what are we doing? Why are we doing that? Right. So all of a sudden you, you have a, you know, everybody, you know, a lot of people were like, no, it's fine, whatever, it's, it'll work itself out. But as, as each of these things happen, you start to lose a few more people and a few more people. And all of a sudden, you know, just like a, almost like a, you know, we talk about the presidential, you know, the president's 
what do they call the rating? Uh, the approval <laughs> the rating? That he has. Yeah. Approval rating. The approval rating. Suddenly when that, or disapproval when rating. Dips, yeah, when that thing dips below 50% in your own building, you've got a real problem. And, and uh, where it's at right now, it can't be very high. So, yeah, I think he survives this season. After this, I think they're going to take a real hard look at this one. All right. Speaking of taking a real hard look at a, at a tough situation to have to admit you have to take a real hard look at, you covered the Dolphins for a long time. I'm going to put you again in the Jeff Darlington time machine. Next year, even at the end of this season, is Tua their franchise quarterback? I mean, are, are they now looking at each other around the conference table going, oh, man, like look at what Justin Herbert's doing. We obviously blew that one. But well, did we blow right. it to the point that Tua can't even do this, that he cannot be the kind I, of quarterback we build a franchise around? I don't think we know much more than we did at the start of the season. If, in fact, if we know anything, it's, it, the best thing that could have happened to Tua was him potentially – um, dealing with this injury that he's got right now because with the, with the uh, ribs, the uh, fractured ribs. Because, look, here's the deal. If he had stayed in that game and just gotten pummeled, people are starting to say, well, it's all on Tua. And I, all of a sudden, we start to see, man, we thought this was a good team. They don't look very good. This offense doesn't look very improved when Tua's not in the game. I think most people in Miami were like, okay, Miami has this supporting cast. If, if Tua can't elevate himself to the – to the level that this cast is, then he's not the guy. But now suddenly it's like, what is the rest of this team? Because they don't look very good when two is not in the game. It's still a huge season for him. I think he needs to come back and prove that he's the franchise guy. Uh, it, it definitely doesn't feel great right now, but there is a lot of time left for him to try to prove otherwise. Does Dak win an MVP? Is he that good? Man, he very well could. I, I'm all in on Dak. I mean, you look at the early runnings for MVP right now, it's kind of all, all up there. You know, yep. Justin Herbert's balling out. Russell Kyler, Wilson, certainly on the on list. Yeah, Kyler Miller. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Matt Stafford seems to be playing well. But yep. I just keep thinking, every time I watch Dak, he just looks like a grown man, beast, just veteran quarterback with every ability to be uh, what feels like the best quarterback in the league this season. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. Doing these shows and being in and out of the studio, I remember having this argument with Will Kane like three years ago when he was doing the, the yeah. afternoons and I would fill in sometimes before or after him and obviously a huge Cowboy fan. And he was like, yeah. Dak Prescott is going to be like this good. Like this is a franchise guy. This is what they have to build around. He's every bit what I think a franchise quarterback ought to be. And I remember saying to him, A, in my opinion, I don't necessarily believe that. And B, your own franchise is telling you that they don't believe that because they're not paying him. They're not trying to extend him the way that you do with one of these quarterbacks you think you ought to build around. And I guess I was wrong on both counts because he now absolutely looks like, if not a top five, certainly comfortably inside the top ten quarterback in the NFL. I totally agree with all that, but let's not give Will too much credit. He is a homer. Oh, he's total going to homer. Say whatever he needs. A hundred percent. I mean, I knew okay, he was shoveling it, but at the same time, I I fought him on it. He was right. Homer. <laughs> yeah, he turned out to be right. Like, good job, Will. You scream loud enough for the Cowboys, you're going to get one once in a while. Sometimes homers yeah. are right. Sometimes. <laughs> exactly. Once in a while. Hey, look. <laughs> I'll ask you this: based on the rookie quarterbacks that you've seen. I don't know if you want to rank them, if there's a certain lens you want to look at them through, but right. as a homer, are the Jets going to turn out to be right about Zach Wilson? I, I, he feels like he's headed in the right direction, man. Like I know he's going to have his, his setbacks, and all these rookies are, but when you see – so the thing with rookie quarterbacks for me, and I'm no film guru or scout or anything like that. I'm, I'm like everybody else who just has eyes. And when I see these guys making certain throws in certain situations – 
To me, I'm like, yes, he obviously has the potential. Will that potential be harnessed by the coaching staff that he's playing under and the players around him? But when you see Zach Wilson, you're like, yes, yes, he can do this job. And, and I look around at the other quarterbacks, and it feels like the potential is there for a lot of these guys. Now it's a matter of these organizations helping them reach it. But more often than not, I've seen Zach Wilson do things this season that very clearly paint a picture of an absolute stud franchise quarterback for the New York Jets. ESPN NFL insider Jeff Darlington, who I could talk football with all day. I won't keep you past one more, and that is, all right, be the no insider, problem. be the reporter. Give me one or two of the stories right now that you're surprised in the NFL, yeah. at least at the quarter pole, we're not talking more about. Right, I mean, when you're when you're sitting there, just kind of because we're spending so much time on Dak and so much time, obviously, on the Urban Meyer situation, the rookie quarterbacks. But there's got to be a story or two out there in the NFL that you, from you know, kind of your reporter lens, sitting there going, "I wonder why yeah. people aren't talking more about this." Well, I, I mean, I, I, it's funny that we haven't talked, for instance, about the Chiefs. You know, yeah, that's at, a good point. At, at sitting there at two and two, looking at you know potentially two and three if they lose to the Bills, their defense is not good, uh, and. And I'm a, I cover a lot of Chiefs games, and I even covered one in Arrowhead where I expected to go in there and walk away like feeling like, oh, the Chiefs are back, no problem at all. But that defense is very vulnerable. And for a team that we expect to be in the playoff hunt and, and to, you know, Patrick Mahomes to just easily take them to the Super Bowl, that does not look like that type of team right now. They've got to get back on track quickly. And I think that as much as we talk about those other storylines early on, if the Chiefs are sitting there on the outside looking in toward the end of this season, that's all we're going to be talking about. Yeah, because I don't think anybody probably outside of maybe the Bills would have had them higher on your tote board to be the AFC right. rep in the Super Bowl at the start of the year anyway. That would be one of the all-time disappointing seasons if they don't make the playoffs. Expanded playoffs coming off of being that's a right. champion and, and at least in the Super Bowl last year. So that, that's a good one. I appreciate it. Jeff, thanks so much for the time. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Appreciate you, man. All right, that's ESPN NFL insider Jeff Darlington here on the Goodyear Hotline. Bob Shoes and Infragrini, presented by Progressive Insurance. We will get to the telephones in about 15 seconds after I tell you about Straight Talk Wireless. It's rolled out 5G coverage nationwide, and you can get a Samsung Galaxy A32 5G for only $299. No contract. All on America's best networks, Straight Talk Wireless, 5G-capable device required, actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. All right, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. get a few calls in on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Ryan in New York has been patient. we got Yankees out there. we got football out there. Whatever you want to bring up. Go ahead, Ryan. All right, Ryan. Or, uh, Bob, i got three quick things, and I'll hang up and listen. Sure. So the Yankees need to go back to farm system. It's just that simple, and, you know, it's the insanity thing. We've been doing the same thing how long. It's only worked once back in, what, 09. So now that they're gone, who do you think is going to win the World Series? And the big question is, what's the cover album for Halloween in Vegas? (laughs) That's a great question. Uh, Man, I don't know if you're ever going to top the White Album. There's a little fish reference for you for uh, for those of us that are fish heads. Um, You know, it's funny when you – I'm going to stick with the Giants because I – like baseball fans, been waiting all season for reasons to think that they are not going to hold off the Dodgers, win their division, come back to earth, all of that. I mean, what more than 162-game sample size do I need to say, pick the best team? All season long, either league, the Giants have been the best team. I'm going to pick them to go all the way to the World Series and win it. And as far as the Yankees are concerned, getting back to the farm system, this is something I was talking with Nuno about off the air a minute ago. And... You know, like Nuno, you brought this up. The big question with the Yankees is probably going to be, 
is how going to open his purse strings, right? Like, are they going to now go out and give Brian Cashman the ability to go over the payroll threat? Like, where are they at right now? $207 million? Uh, yeah, around that. So that's what I've heard. You know, that's, I think, what fans, how fans feel. And what I've heard a lot of guys say, right, uh, hey, you're going to have to start spending a lot of money that, you know, you need to upgrade at shortstop. Uh, what are you going to do with, you know, catcher? Uh, so that so there's all these great guys out there, right? So it becomes that. It's like, all right, are you going to spend money? Right. And, you know, if you want one of these mega shortstops, you got to pay for them. You know you're going to have to pay if you're going to keep Judge on the team. You're already paying Stanton. So right there, and Cole. So those four contracts are going to be mega contracts. Obviously, then, if you're going to spend money on a shortstop with the other, you know, with the judge contract issue hanging out there and the other two already on your team, then the question is how much is Brian Cashman going to be given payroll flexibility-wise to go out and fix these problems? This would be... If I were Mr. Steinbrenner and I'm sitting around the conference table with Brian Cashman and my brain trust, the question I would be asking, why are you asking me for more money? Is that really the, what we have to do to fix this? Is that the way to fix it? Because we're getting beat by eight, ten games a year by a team that's got 25% of our payroll. And they keep losing players left and right to other organizations who go out and throw a bundle of money at their guys. And all they do is keep finding low-cost solutions. They get a $60 million payroll and they're beating our butts every year. So, like, that's what I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to just give you a blank checkbook and let you again try to go out and spend your way out of it? Or is there another way to do this? What's the analytical model that allows us to build a team with maybe some guys that are in the weeds, players that nobody even knows are out there, are lower-cost players, but might be better for our team than just going out and finding the next all-star free agent that I can throw a $350 million contract at? Because that's not working, right? Like, it's been a long time since the Yankees were either in or won a World Series, this year, they're out after a wild card. They made the second wild card on the last day of the season. So if, if that's what my money is buying me, is more money automatically the solution? Or should we be having a different conversation here? Greeny, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Coming up after the top of the hour, I have even more thoughts on the rookie quarterback class. And also Kyrie Irving. 
You know, to, I mean, it's when you only do a show once in a while, some of the times these you know, topics all get stuck on the bulletin board and you want to come in and talk about all of them. And so we've done Yankees, we've done football with Jeff Darlington, we'll get more of your calls in, and then even more to talk about. It's a great time of year to talk sports, even more in hour number two. But Jay in Florida has been patient, and he joins us next here on ESPN Radio. Bob Wischus and in for Greeny. Hey, Jay. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, I, I really appreciate guys that can come in and, you know, uh, take the one-offs and, and run with it. You do a great job. Thanks. Also, uh, the Yankees, you know, they have, you know, like you were saying earlier, they haven't had an under 500 team. I'm not a Yankees fan, by the way. Anti-Yankees, actually. But I give credit when credit is due. They consistently put, you know, a, a – a uh, team on the field. Every uh, single they, year, their fan base has tried. a reason to believe. Yes, every year, Yankees they, fans, uh, unlike most organizations in sports, every single year, Yankee fans start off the season believing that they ought to be watching a playoff team. Yes, sir. Now, to that detriment, you know, they get caught up in their own, you know, kind of a uh, mold. Uh, sometimes they don't have enough left-handed uh, hitting. They don't have enough pitching. They have they're decimated by injuries. They don't have the debt. All All right, so what's your things, plan, Jay? You want to get to it. Go ahead. I, I just I don't think that we should just be, you know, uh, chopping the heads off, you know, getting rid of Cashman and Boone. That, that's, not the, that's not the answer. Maybe go in a different direction. But, you know, I think, I think that they can do it uh, uh, eventually. Well, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. Thanks for the call. I definitely agree that I think if you are firing Aaron Boone or not bringing him back, I mean, he wouldn't be firing him. He's not under contract right now. If you're not bringing Aaron Boone back, you're making him the scapegoat for a problem that isn't his. Right? He's got an analytics department telling him what lineup to fill out, and it is an analytics department that has put together a flawed team. Anybody that watches this team, it's not, he's not, it's not that he's not pushing managerial buttons to get these guys to not go out there and strike out and clog up the base paths because they're slow and be a bad defensive team because the shortstop's playing out of position and strike out too much, just trying to hit home runs. I mean, that, that's, he didn't put the team together. So again, that is back to the Jeff Van Gundy quote that I used before. Sometimes when you are letting go of managers and coaches, it's to give the fan base and the media the illusion of change when real change is a lot harder. I think they have to make real change. They have to change the team. They have to change the way the team is built, the kind of baseball that they play. I'm letting Brian Cashman do that. I'm not firing either. I'm giving Brian Cashman the benefit of the doubt of 25 years of presiding over nothing but winning teams and saying, okay, you've made mistakes. This analytics department has made mistakes. Now fix it. I think you can fix it every bit as much as I believe anybody could fix it that I could bring in. And to me, that, that would be what I would do. Triple eight, say ESPN. Triple eight seven two nine three seven seven six. JT in Alabama joins us next year on ESPN Radio. Hey, what's going on, fellas? At work, getting it in, enjoying the enjoying the conversation today. Um, I hear you talking about baseball, and I'm not like a real hardcore baseball fan, but like I'm a fan of sports. Period. And like I was telling you, screener, like the problem with baseball, well, with the Yankees, the problem with baseball all across the board. It's like the lack of evolving. And just the pure stubbornness, and you got the old timey whiny baseball nerds and, and writers that's really holding back everything. And it's like somebody at the Yankees organization thinks it's still like 1998, and chicks still dig the long ball. Which I mean, chicks still dig. I don't want to say that, but you know, it would have been inappropriate. But like yeah, I said, it, it's, 
evolve. So right. what now? Well, JT, to me, thanks for the call. You're, you're kind of saying two different things at once. Like the Yankees aren't stuck in the past. The Yankees believe that they've got as cutting edge of an analytics department as anybody in baseball. They lean on analytics as much as any team in baseball. Just their analytics right now are getting it wrong. The teams that are in the postseason that we are picking probably to go the deepest, the Giants and Dodgers, the winner of that series I think might win the World Series. right? So the winner of that series, those are two very heavily analytically driven teams. We'll talk to Jess Mendoza about this coming up in the next hour. But back in the kind of quote-unquote chicks dig the long ball days of the late 90s and early 2000s, that wasn't what the Yankees were. They weren't a long ball team. They ran into an occasional home run. But they weren't trying to hit home runs. It wasn't about exit velocity. It wasn't about accumulating as many 40 and 50 home run hitters as you could possibly put on the same team. Their 114-win team didn't have a guy that hit 30 home runs. Why they've gotten completely away from that, that's a question for their analytics department to answer. Quickly, Peter in Westchester. Peter, you're up next here on ESPN Radio. Hey, what's going on? Um, Problem I had this year with the Yankees, they seem to be playing down to competition. Part of being a successful baseball team is very well noted. Beat up on the bad teams, play 500 or slightly better against the great teams, and that should lead you to a good record. Yankees didn't beat up on the Orioles this year, and that was a big factor on why they finished where they finished in the standings. Yeah, I think it goes deeper than that. I understand what you're saying, yes, and you can look at each pocket of the season. To me, this is a four-year-long problem. This is not they didn't hit home runs against the Orioles this year or they didn't take advantage of the lesser cut. To me, this is a like a wide-angle lens problem they've got that they have to look at is how they've built their team. They have built their team this particular way where they are an all-or-nothing, we either hit home runs and score or we don't style of baseball. And that's not the way that the teams that are beating them with one quarter of their payroll or the way that the teams right now that are alive in the baseball playoffs are playing. Jess Mendoza is going to join us talk about this next hour. Coming back, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.